you want to say goodbye to your mom and uh like he climbed up the uh climbed up the bed and crawled over and, and kissed her arm and then crawled back and then walked around and uh from my recollection just kind of touched her and I could tell that she knew he was there. Uh, I can't explain how I knew that, but I could tell. Yeah. And then he just literally beelined it uh, out the room and upstairs. uh, And I followed him and he was upstairs in his bed, bawling his eyes out. And I, sat in bed with him and he was just crying saying, you know, I, I don't, I don't want mommy to die. I don't want mommy to die. And, uh, I said, I don't either buddy. And Hey, what's up everybody? Scott and Frank here. Doing a little bit of a different episode today. Mm-hmm. We'll call it 1.5 or whatever, right? <laughs> um, our first episode, we kind of touched on uh, a little bit about why we became single dads. And uh, we, after discussing it, we kind of concluded that, you know what? Our audience needs to know in our opinion, more about us and what better way to do that than by sharing our emotions and a little vulnerability about the exact things that took place in detail Mm -hmm. as to why we became single dads. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that, honestly, because we were talking a little bit and we're in a couple single dad groups on Facebook and there's just a bunch of nonsense that's always shared. And I think it's because as men, naturally, we do not like being vulnerable. We do not like being open and showing weakness. Um, It's just a common trait that we all have. Right. Give me an audience when I'm winning. Don't give me an audience when I'm losing. Right. Um, And so I just... I think that is one of, honestly, a key ingredient of why there is not that many resources for single dads um, because we lack the vulnerable aspect. And it's because I think for so long, it's been if you're vulnerable or if you show weakness, then you're not a man. And I believe it's the complete opposite personally. I think it takes more of a man to be open about certain things and it is when you open up about weaknesses and and you're vulnerable that people actually connect with you and you're more relatable. Like I've always taught this to some of my leaders that I help mentor. I'm like, if you're vulnerable, it's going to, it's going to breed, um, you know, a chance for people to be vulnerable with you and for you to be able to help. But if all you share is your victories, all it's going to do is breed comparison. That's why we all have that one friend, right? The one upper, <laughs> it's like that's that's all it's gonna breed if all you say is yeah man i i uh i did this or this or whatever if you're in sales 
yeah, man, I sold X amount this month, then you're always going to have someone who wants to one-up you, and now you're just all competing. But when we're vulnerable and we put our walls down a little bit, honestly, that, first of all, reveals your true friends because those people will be there for you. You can actually have a genuine conversation with them and grow together. Um, and it's also going to give you more of a platform, in my opinion, to be able to speak into people's lives. So why not go straight into that on episode 1.5? <laughs> Quick question. Just when, when you're in the uh, social environment with the one-upper, right? Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? The way I handle it is, as soon as they start one-upping, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I stop. <laughs> I don't So see... you let them one-up. Yeah, I'm like, if that's what's going to make you feel good about yourself, go for it, man. And then I just don't talk anymore about anything else like that they could possibly want to one-up. And if they keep trying to do that, then I just disengage the conversation and go talk to somebody else. <laughs> Like, it's not worth my time, and I'm not going to sit there and try and make them feel terrible about themselves, so I just kind of disengage and move on. <laughs> Depending on my mood, I'll do one of two things. What, exactly what you just described, yeah. or if I'm feeling a little Scott Fisher-ish. <laughs> <laughs> a little feisty. <laughs> I, I will uh, take their one-up story and... I will dive deep into it because you know there's always a bunch of BS with it, right? That's so true. So man. I like to ask like detailed questions that and is tell true. us more and act like I really give a shit. <laughs> bro, but, that's true. I have caught myself doing that too, where it's like, it's oh, fun. really, bro? Well, what about, you know, yeah. and dig and dig and dig until it's no longer a one up story? <laughs> yeah. They, they almost think they're, they're, you're trying to one up them when really you're just. Think, that's freaking awesome. Tell us more about that. How'd yeah. that happen? You know? <laughs> so be careful out there, you one-uppers. Yeah. And <laughs> in this episode, I will try to not one-up your story. <laughs> and you try not to one-up my story. Well, I don't think these stories are anywhere close to being yeah. one-up type stories. 100%. Because they're just yep. real, raw, and authentic. And... uh I guess um, I'm, I may very well include uh, some things that I have never shared with anybody. And uh, so, again, the purpose of this, of this uh, episode is to engage more with our audience uh, in hopes of building uh, this community that, we, that, that we've set out to do and to help single dads yep. and uh, no matter what your situation. So I guess with that being said, I will uh, give you a play-by-play -play, uh, the day that I became a single dad for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I was at work, typical day, and at this, by, or at this point in time, um, my wife, uh, we already had... Um, hospice uh, full-time in the house and uh, they literally had told us you know at least I mean or, or like worst case scenario another three months but yeah. probably closer to six or more yeah and so which uh, I 
I can't say that's good, but under the circumstances, you know, it, you'll take it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I was at work and, uh, I, I just literally got some feeling and I got in my car and I just wanted to go home and, uh, and see her and spend time. And ironically on my way home, I got a phone call and from, uh, one of the hospice ladies and, uh, she told me that, uh, I need to get home Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, ironically I am, uh, 10, 15 minutes away. And she goes, okay, good. I said, but why? And she said, um, there's no other way to put this, but, uh, I don't think she's going to, uh, be here after today. Yeah. And talk about, uh, anyway, pits in your stomach. So, uh, what, what did you feel when you heard that? If you could verbalize it. If you can imagine, if you've ever been like cheated on or betrayed or, um, God forbid, like found out that, you know, you've lost, you lost somebody, which had happened to me before because my mom was killed in a car wreck and I got a phone call telling me that. And that's probably the most. I can compare it to, but for those who haven't had something like that happen to them, mm-hmm. um, just like that, that awful feeling when you're betrayed or you just feel just nasty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't very difficult to verbalize. Just want to throw up almost kind of thing. <sighs> you just, yeah. I mean, it just, I, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. And I'm sorry if it's, uh, Horror, yeah. but no, you're good. Um, so uh, I got home obviously as fast as possible, and uh, there were a lot of cars out in front of my house. And I walk in, and uh, she has uh, uh, four siblings, or had four siblings, and um, all married, um, all with kids of their own. So there was a lot of people there, yeah. and. You know, you walk in, plus you have the hospice people, the social workers, and just, it, it it was a very eerie kind of, because everybody was there for the worst reason ever, you know? Yeah. It's just, just really an odd feeling. So, um, she was uh, laying in our bed, in, in our bedroom, and uh, so I walked in, and... Uh, I was, you know, everyone kind of cleared out and gave me some some alone time. And, uh, you know, I laid next to her and uh, she was kind of erratic and kind of tossing and turning, but knew, definitely knew I was there and um, said, you know, that, uh, that she loved me and I was able to just rub her head and touch her face and tell her that everything is is going to be okay. Uh, 
he's an angel and uh, Riley will I made a lot of promises to her and yeah. of course I just kind of reiterated every promise that uh, I made about Riley uh, I'm going to keep and I'm going to raise him to be the best possible uh, young man I can and um, I I love you and you know verbatim it's very hard to tell you you know much more than that yeah um by this time um his grandma had gone and picked him up from the uh, preschool or day school around the corner and um so uh he came in the room and talk about tough uh so you know he's five years old and Jeez, man. uh he kind of went to the opposite side of the bed where she was laying and uh, said, uh, I didn't say this, and I don't remember who, um, but might have been her sister or somebody, but said, uh, Riley, do you want to say goodbye to your mom? And, uh, like, he climbed up the... Uh, Climbed up the bed and crawled over and, and kissed her arm and then crawled back and then walked around. And uh, from my recollection, just kind of touched her. And I could tell that she knew he was there. Uh, I can't explain how I knew that, but I could tell. Yeah. And then he just literally beelined it uh, out the room and upstairs uh, and I followed him and he was upstairs in his bed bawling his eyes out and I sat in bed with him and he was just crying saying you know I I don't I don't want mommy to die I don't want mommy to die and uh, I said I don't either buddy and you know, we hugged and cried on each other's shoulders, and um, it, I I told him, you know what, it's, she's going to be an angel, and she's going to be with us yeah. uh, every day for the rest of our lives, and she will always be watching over you, and there is no person that has more love for you than her, and... Uh, that's something that I have uh, continued to remind him of uh, very, very often. Yeah. And uh, so after, the, you know, we cried for, I don't know how long we were up there. Because time was kind of, I don't know. Yeah. We walked downstairs and uh, she was gone. And... Uh, at that point, uh, his grandma said that uh, she she would take care of him, and I bolted out of the house uh, by myself, and because I, I just couldn't sit there and watch her be carried out in a body a body bag. Yeah. Uh, Golly. So I, you know, I didn't pay attention to who who all was there, who wasn't. I just 
I, I just got in my car and, and I bolted. And uh, <laughs> uh, where, where did I go? <laughs> I, I went freaking top golf and started hitting golf balls. And I don't know why I did that. And I, I just, I, I needed, I needed somewhere to go. And I wasn't going to go like sit in a bar or something stupid like that. And I wasn't going to drive around. And I just, you know, went where I went and I just hit golf balls and, you know, my phone was blown up. Where are you? Where are you? And, uh, it, it was just, uh, <laughs> uh, the toughest, the toughest time. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for not being, um, very clearly spoken right now, but, uh, that's kind of how things went down. And, uh, the toughest thing was, um, well, obviously the toughest thing was, her passing and second toughest was seeing my son and um even though he was five and today doesn't have like a legitimate recollection of doing that yeah uh, or remembering he does he does remember us crying on on his bed but uh but when we've talked about it and gone back he uh he's you know I've asked him, you know, what do you remember? And that's, that's what he remembers. And then going with grandma and, uh, I've waited till everyone was cleared out of my house and, um, just said, ask somebody to, to text me or call me when that was done. And, uh, hour, hour and a half later, I went back home and house was empty. And, uh, I don't know why, but I started taking pictures off the wall and um, just kind of doing some, like, I, I don't know if I did it because I, I, did, I couldn't, I didn't want to, like, see, I don't know why I did it. I really don't. You um, think it's because you thought it'd help with the pain, maybe? Maybe. And so I took some pictures off the wall. Um, I. Uh, I think I made the bed and uh, I packed a, an overnight bag and I left and I went to a hotel uh, where I stayed for, I don't know, two or three days and kind of went AWOL and I didn't answer my phone. People were texting and worried because I had taken things off the wall and so I, I, uh, from what I remember, I, I let the people or at least uh, a couple people who could tell other people that I was okay. I was just, I just needed some time. And, uh, so I, uh, just <laughs> stayed, I reflected on things. I prayed, uh, I thought what what am I gonna do now? What is it? What, 
my mind was racing, man. I didn't know what I was going to do. And that's, I think that's why I went to a hotel. I, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want people asking me questions. I didn't want people telling me I should do this or do that, or I should talk to this person or that person. I just wanted to do my own thing and which was be alone. And, um, I don't know if that was the healthiest thing. I mean, I, I, I wasn't having any thoughts of you know, like suicide or hurting myself or anything. And I think that's what um, most people were worried about. And so I made sure that everyone knew that wasn't the case. Yeah. And so uh, that was that was the day of, that was a play-by-play of the worst day of my life. And um, some things that I uh, told you guys are some things that I've never told anybody. And um, kind of the point of this, uh, me doing this and Frank to follow is to uh, let you guys know why we... uh, one of the big reasons why we are doing this podcast is because we want, no matter what the reason is or why you are a single dad, uh, whether it's a nasty divorce or um, you're a widower or uh, one of the countless reasons, we want to help and we want stories like ours to be heard and we want everyone to know that it's okay to to talk about things and you know i just shared some things that uh, i'm a very private person too which is yeah you are kind of weird but um uh oh um so yeah uh you have any questions frank I mean, did I leave? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, bro, that's like really, really intense. Even when you were telling me a little bit about it, when we were downstairs, I kept getting really teary-eyed and emotional just because it's my situation is way different, right? And so it's hard to imagine someone that you love so much and then they're gone and there's nothing that you can do about it and you didn't cause it you know what i'm saying um so in that moment man whenever you left to like the hotel do you think do you think you were able to process what was happening or or were you trying like what exactly was the thoughts that were going through your mind was it i wish i could have done this better or what the hell am i going to do now or what's going to happen with riley like what was the what was your thought process? Because I can't imagine having to try and process that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I don't think I did process a whole lot at that moment in time. Um, I there as I said, thoughts were racing through my mind, and, and um, I was concerned um, how my son was going to take it what things are going to look like now. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm a single dad now and I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Um, you know, 
other than keep the promises that, that I made to her. And, uh, you know, for example, she really wanted him to go to a specific school and, um, we were able to make that happen and she knew about it uh, before passing, which, um, made, definitely made me feel good. And, yeah. um, but you know, it's, it's, I, what was your question again? How did you process it? I, I don't know. Yeah. Processing it was just, uh, over time. And I, I think it, at that moment, I was just, uh, I, I didn't have, I, you had, you asked me, you know, I wish could I have done something better or, yeah, or different. Feel that? And, um, fortunately I, I don't have any regrets as to how, uh, things, um, happened to, to that point. I, uh, you know, I don't want to go into details, but I mean, I, you know, didn't miss one doctor's appointment. There was a point in time where we were flying to Philadelphia literally every six weeks for a, a, a surgery. And, you know, there was just a lot that up to that point. And um, I know I was there and, and supportive and, um, made some very difficult decisions as far as, you know, allowing her to spend as much time with, uh, with, with our son as as, as possible. We did yeah. some really cool things. Like one of her very best friends came in town and stayed with, uh, with us for a weekend. And, um, they just put a little record, a recorder. So, which I have in my safe, and I, uh, one day Riley will hopefully want to. Well, he will. He will want to listen to it. I don't know when the day will come, but like, yeah. literally, just recorded in, just uh, what happened. You know, just a typical day. You know, yeah. um, so he'll be able to hear his wow. mom interact with him and with her best friend, and you know, so. Um, I think that was her sister's idea, which was really cool. Wow. And, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. So there, were, you know, there were a lot of, uh, things like that, uh, creative things that, uh, you know, one day I think will be appreciated by Riley and, um, my son. And, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, there was just, uh, so much support. She was a teacher for over a, uh, a decade and, you know, they, uh, put a, uh, something, put a, uh, a trip together. And I mean, I think one person paid for more than half of it. So the three of us could go on a, a, a Disney cruise. Wow. Uh, which turned out to be a, two months prior to her passing, which was amazing. And for, you know, for so many people to uh, throw out such amazing support. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's another thing that, um, 
I've never been able to vocalize in a in a I guess public setting setting. So um if any of of you all that were in on that, thank you because uh it literally <laughs> was amazing and meant the world to us. That's incredible, yeah. When when you were talking about that, it just made me think of um because I think death like that puts things into perspective, you know, big time. And I was just thinking of how my mom loves road trips and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> she loves driving to like California just to go to Disney for a couple of days and then drive back so that we can see all the scenery and things of that. And I'm always in such a hurry that I'm like, y'all just drive there. I'll fly there and meet you there. You know what I mean? That's but so it's, me. Yeah, but it's like not taking into consideration how much that would mean to her. You know what I'm saying? So do you think that after all of the, after you went through all this pain, it's like taught you, and I'm not saying that you've gotten it perfect every time because you're a human, but do you think it's taught you to like slow down and enjoy like the moments, whether it's now with, you know, with Randy or with your boy? Like, and just really take those moments in, because especially because we're so entrepreneur minded, it's always go, 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 go. Do you think that's helped you be present in the, these moments more? It absolutely has. And uh, starting with my mom, and I was uh, my mid 20s when she was uh, killed in a car wreck. And, you know, my dad had. We grew up like super, super modest, and um, you know, if he made X, we lived off of half of that, mm. and he he saved, and uh, we lived very frugally. I mean, our entire lives, so he could save up uh, for uh, retirement, and yeah, he got to retire early. He had a lot of really awesome things happen, and. I mean, within months of him retiring, it was all ripped away. And, you know, so that changed the way I lived by, you know, making things, you know, like we never took a vacation as a family my entire life. So hence my passion for traveling. Yeah. You know, and... Riley's been on more vacations already than uh, I've been on, um, you know, before I was 25 or 26, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's something I, uh, <laughs> I would recommend that I don't care. I don't know if you're going to, if, if you're going to spend money, uh, material things, uh, are nothing more than material things. But if you can spend the money on creating memories, I highly recommend that to anybody and everybody. And that's, you know, losing my mom taught me. And um, eventually, you know, just a couple of months after my mom passed, my dad had a soft shell cancer. And, uh, you know, th th a lot of things just went real downhill. And then, uh, so I, I, I've I've had a I've suffered a lot of loss and and um, I think uh, resilience is definitely uh, an adjective 
I would use to describe myself. Uh, and I say that humbly in a humble way, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Tony, Tony Robbins says that pain is never meant to stop you. It's meant to move you into action. And I think people need to hear that just because someone might experience something that you've experienced and it might, they might let it cripple them. But I think people need to know just like Scott, like, I think it's okay to be get to let it cripple you for a little bit because I think that's human. <laughs> yeah. Um, but after that, just what you've done with your life is just phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Just super successful, not just like, you know, business wise, but even just in parenting now and just moving forward with life. Like, I think that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, Again, um, I hope I hope to uh, our listeners that uh, I, the whole purpose of me telling you guys that was to uh, for you guys to learn who you're listening to, uh, learn a little bit about uh, who you're listening to. Yeah, uh, and of course you're going to learn more and more as we go. But um, that's you know I. I I didn't think it was right or fair to our listeners to just say my doc, my wife passed away from cancer and let's move on. Um, I think I owe it to our listeners because we take this podcast very seriously and our passion for helping people uh, is second to none. And it's just something that, uh, you know, as Frank said earlier, you know, a lot of men are are stereotyped for not being able to, uh, I guess, demonstrate emotion and vulnerability. And uh, I wanted to, and I'm one of those people. I've been, I've literally been oh, yeah. one of those people my entire we life. We all are. You ask anyone that knows me. So for for me being in the such a private person and uh being able to to do and say some of the things that I've said and done uh just proves that you know everybody has it in them and it's okay uh to to, to let it out in in a format that you're not used to and um for me to do it publicly is uh, a huge deal and uh I I hope it helps somebody. And, mm-hmm. um, but either way, I just, uh, as I said before, I, our goal and do our point in doing this is to help listeners understand whatever it is that you're going through. You can and will recover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think you're at the, you know, things can't get worse, but things can always get worse. But most importantly, they will always get better. Yeah. And that's the ultimate point I want to make. They can, they will always get better. Yeah. And uh, I'm living proof. Yeah. For real. So, um, I know that was kind of 
serious and uh most of our podcasts are not um like that but uh again our goal with this podcast or this episode is to share and let our audience learn a little bit or a lot bit more about us and now i'm going to turn it over to frank and uh let him tell his story uh in a little more in a lot more detail um how things happened and uh why he is where he is and why he's sitting behind a microphone next to me uh with both of us on the same uh road to helping other single dads out there yeah um so this is going to be a complete change of direction um my story is completely different um and my story stems, if I'm being honest, probably from when I was 14 years old and I got my heart broken for the first time. And without knowing it, I decided that I would never be hurt again. And so normally what ends up happening is if you decide that you're never going to be hurt again, then you become the one that hurts people. And as sucky as that is to say, that is what I became. And so I started struggling deeply with a sex addiction ever since high school. And I know a lot of people can say, Oh, you know, that's just a cop out, whatever, like you're just a man, all this stuff. But no, a healthy man does not have, you know, or deal with what I was dealing with. Um, And for me, the reason that I knew that it was a sex addiction is because that's the one thing that I ran to. I never ran to drugs. I never ran to alcohol. I never ran to anything except for that. I would be I would I would feel value within myself, knowing that I could sleep with this girl or whatever. And um, if I was in a relationship, I always had someone as a backup because I knew, oh, before this person ends up hurting me, I'm going to pull the trigger first, leave them, and then immediately move on to someone else, which just caused people more pain. Um, And the number one thing that I think I lost with that addiction was just my identity and who I was and why I was on this earth and never being fulfilled by anything. And so the reason I say that is to give you context to what I believe ended up ending um, my marriage. Obviously, I can't take the full blame and I never will, but I will be held accountable for my own actions and hold myself accountable for my own actions. Because if we just always blame the other person and say that we never did anything wrong, you will never grow. And the next time that you get married, if you keep having the belief that you never did anything wrong, probably won't work out very well. Just saying. And so um, we ended up um, we ended up having my little girl when I was about 18 years old. Uh, some situation happened. And that situation really was that I was planning on marrying her. And we had met together to put our plan together. And then all of a sudden, it, ta- it led us to a conversation with our pastor, which was her uncle. Um, and that conversation included my family was there with me, did not say a word. They were just there to support me and letting me handle my business. And then her family being there with her. Um, so that really turned into a conversation between me and her parents. And she said nothing throughout the whole meeting. And... Really what ended up happening, just to summarize it all up, was I came forward with the plan that me and her had talked about one-on-one and that we had agreed on, and her family did not like it, and she didn't support me at all in it. Can you elaborate on what that plan was? Um, So the plan was really just, I mean, 
it was just, hey, move into our, like, we were going to move into my parents' house. My parents were going to pay for our college tuition so that I could go to school, she could go to school, and then for medical bills as well so that we didn't forfeit our future. You see what I'm saying? Her family had the perspective of, no, you have to work. You have to support her now. And I was like, well, she's going to be 100% supported. I'm like, my parents are just trying to help set us up for the future so that we're not another statistic. Right. Um, and for I don't know why. They did, they did not like that one bit. Um, and she, I, I mean, I could I can, you know, have some, like, sympathy there and some empathy where she didn't want to stand up against her family. Like, I could see that. You know, you're 18 years old. You're going through all this stuff, whatever. But I ended up realizing, hey, if you don't have my back now, why would you have my back when we're married. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this then. I'll still be there for for a little kid. I, at this point, I didn't know it was going to be our little girl. Um, and I was still willing, you know, my family was still willing to take care of medical bills, all of that stuff. Needless to say, at the end of that conversation, I got blocked. My phone number off all social media, everything like that. Completely blocked. Huh? Just just like that, just like that, immediately after that conversation, and we left. Wow. And I remember doing multiple things to try and get information, or, hey, how's this happening? Da, 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 da. Like, how are you doing? And that's how I knew that I was blocked because messages weren't going through, calls weren't going through. Then I go on social, I blocked on everything, 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 everything. And I'm like, dude, I am not, what the heck? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to like come in contact, and I couldn't. Um, and then. In that moment began the fear in me internally where I was like, if I just show up at her house, cops will get called, all this stuff. I just started assuming, which now I know, never assume, right? But I was just assuming. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to let this thing take its course and I'm going to be as proactive as I can be. So I started getting an attorney, started trying to get the ball rolling with that stuff. And it, for some reason, I don't know why it was taking longer than it should have. And then all of a sudden, I get a text or a call from one of her family members um, that I was still close with and said, hey, your daughter was born. I was like, are you kidding me? And then I was just asking questions like where, what, what happened, all this stuff. Did you not know how far? Bro, I no. well, she was born four months early. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was still in the process with the attorneys and all that good stuff, right? So then I find out where my daughter is. I found out where, like, uh, you know, my ex is, all this stuff. And so I do what I think is right, which is go to the hospital, you know? Sure. And I'm like, if you don't want anything to do with me, that's fine. You have that right. I'm not going to try and have anything to do with it. It's still your child. It's my kid, though. So I show up. I remember clear as day, me, my brother, my mom, my dad, one of our aunts was staying with us at that time. Show up, and I'm like, hey, I'm here to see uh, my little girl. She was born, like, earlier today. And they're like, well, what's her name? I'm like, Tatiana Ortega or Tatiana Rodriguez. I'm like, uh, at this point, I don't know what last name she got. <laughs> well, I wasn't on the birth certificate. She didn't put me on the birth certificate. So I had to go to the room and get her to sign off on me being able to see my little girl, which was born four months premature, right? So I was obviously worried. Jeez. I go up to the room. I knock. Uh... The grandma ends up opening the door, and so she starts yelling, saying that she's going to call security and yelling security, and I, she goes to slam the door, and I put my foot down, and I'm like, I just need her to sign this so I can see my little girl, and she's like, that's my daughter in the bed, and I was like, and that's my daughter somewhere that I have no idea where she's at, 
And then she starts obviously yelling, making a huge scene. And bro, like I knocked on that door and I was just like, I just want to see my little girl. And she turned it like, you know, like the, uh, the Hispanic telenovelas where it's just like super dramatic for nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Literally is what happened. And so then my mom is like crying at this point and she's like, please, we just want to see her. We just want to see her. And then she, of course, she started yelling more. So I tell my mom, okay, just back away. I take my foot off and she slams the door. And then I'm like, now I'm just going to have to come at her legally and do things the right way. If this is the game they want to play. It sucks. Yeah, it really did. So do everything that I need to do. Ended up not meeting my daughter until she was one, um, literally. And even then, it was so stupid because I had all these restrictions on the in-house visitations where it was like I had to take off my shoes. I had to wash my hands when I touched anything before I touched her, which I was down for. But then, like, her dad, the grandpa, walks in covered in paint, dirty from working, and just goes straight and grabs my little girl. And I'm like, okay, so you're just trying to humiliate us because obviously you don't care that much about germs if this is what's happening. Obviously a lot of spite. Yes, a lot of it. And I was like, whatever, you know, like, you can be spiteful. I'm not going to be. Anyways, fast forward a couple years. um, We end up chatting again. And I thought that she had been healed and had been worked worked through some stuff. And so I start giving this thing a chance because I'm hopeful to have like a family and give my little girl like the family setting. You know what I'm saying? Which now I know do not do that. (laughs) Do not do that just for your kid. Please do not do that. It's not worth it. Um, And so I start trying to do that. And we end up working things out a little bit. I actually end up telling her, hey, I don't want to do this unless your family knows and we're on board and we can do this the right way well she lied uh she told me that her family knew never let me talk to them though for some reason so i was like well maybe they're still hurt but they know and they're understand or trying whatever so i'll just give them time you know what i'm saying no she ended up lying to them she goes down there uh tells them hey um me and frank are together i'm moving in with him tomorrow but she told me hey my parents know about us and they're kicking me out because they're not supportive So obviously, hey, if your family's kicking you out, I'm going to take you in. Lied to both of us. And so then we end up getting married. Her family hated me, which makes sense because she told them that. And so they probably thought that I was the one that created this, right? Um, She moves into my family's house. I catch her Snapchatting some dude. So immediately I'm already like, oh, I don't know. But because of my kid, I'm going to give her a chance, which was super ignorant of me. And I'm going to try and make this work. And I already felt not prioritized or respected or loved, which started adding to everything that happened from high school and my addiction and just wanting to run to something else. So what I do, I ran to other women. I ran to other women and I'm not proud of that. I'm not going to blame her for that because I should have been mature enough to heal and deal with those things. But again, I am a man, so I'm not vulnerable. I don't show weakness. I don't talk to a therapist. I don't talk to a counselor. So I didn't do all of those things. So I wasn't emotionally, mentally ready to take on any relationship at that moment, right? So I did what every guy does. I blamed her, you know? And I didn't blame her specifically. I just, in my own head, I was like, well, if she wouldn't have done, if she wouldn't have, if she wouldn't, right? So now... In some form or fashion, you're irrational. Exactly. And you're thinking Yep. The way that in hindsight Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're gonna tell people not to think. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I think that's 
I think if you're going to be vulnerable and I think that if you're ever going to do something significant in life, you got to be willing to say I was wrong. Absolutely. And I am wrong still in some areas. You know what I'm saying? So please don't listen to this and think, oh, Frank's got his stuff together. I do not. (laughs) I'm still working as hard as I possibly can. I'm just identifying things now and working on them the best to my ability. And so we ended up being together. And what's crazy was once we were together, I remember having a conversation in bed. We were laying in bed and she was talking about how I just can't believe you left me alone. And I I was like, hold up. What do you mean? You blocked me from everything, right? And then she was like, I can't believe you made me take a paternity test. You know how humiliating that was to me. I was like, girl, I had to. The attorney said, bro, you've got to prove that you're the dad because she's not acknowledging you as the dad. I'm like, so you made me do that, literally, so I could see my little girl. But again, it was just very irrational. It was like there was seeds planted in her head that I was the one causing all of this when I'm like, you realize I was doing what you made me do so that I could see my little girl. If I didn't do those things, I wouldn't have been in my little girl's life. And so it was it was a mess. And saying all that, did any of that get through to her? No. So no, until this day, I think honestly, she really does believe. And so, so she I, has the right, right? Like, there's her side, my side. Then there's absolutely. the truth. Like, sure, there's. Gonna put it better myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that can relate to your story. Probably more, I uh, definitely more so than mine. And because of that. I want I I want the point the mm-hmm. the the lessons because there's a lot of people going through yeah these things and I I see I see the emotion I see the you know even now you yeah. still got that 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 fire in, oh, in you and a hundred percent and that fire bro is not anger it's not anything towards her it's it's towards myself. And that is why I get fired up in those single dads groups when they're just talking crap about a baby mama, because I'm like, hey, you've got to take some accountability, bro. (laughs) And if you are willing to heal and grow, you will let that stuff go and you can finally say, hey, I cheated because I was insecure. I cheated because I didn't know how to love myself. I cheated because I didn't know how to be my self-advocate and be my biggest fan. So I was dependent on this person, and as soon as they fail you, because they will, because they're human, you do stupid things. I'm like, so if you want to stop doing stupid things, don't put that on somebody else to help you fi- like figure that out. That's on you. If you can't take ownership of your own issues, then you're always going to be blaming someone else. And guess what? I am the only common denominator in every relationship that I had in high school and in the marriage that I had. I was the only common denominator. Not all those women were different. You know what I'm saying? And I think I finally started. I started seeing that. I'll never forget. I was laying in bed again with her. We were chatting at night and I opened up and I really told her for the first time what I was really going through mentally. And I said, I don't want to do these things. It was after she found out that, like, well, really, I left my phone open because I kind of wanted her to see that I cheated. You know what I'm saying? And she saw that, and I just was like, I don't know why I keep doing that. And I was like, and I'm trying to figure out, and I have no idea. I'm like, now you know why. Now I know why. And so I started going to counseling by myself, 
and then we kind of started doing a little bit of marriage counseling, right? And then I started going to a sex addiction group, and I started working on myself, and I started getting good. I started dealing with things, and you know what I mean? So, like, so, so, just, just on, on, on that point, uh, before you move on, on that point, before you move on, the, what would you, what advice would you give everybody out there? I mean, I, I can see the point, but what advice would you give everybody out there that's in a similar situation or has gone through or is going through uh, something like that? Would you tell them, hey, before you start blaming or saying, my, my baby mama wants this or that or expects this or expects that, would you say, hey, first and foremost, you got to man up and say, all right, here's where I screwed up. I'm going to take responsibility for it. And once I do that, then we can be on a level playing field. But, but that's kind of the advice I, I, I'm kind of getting. Am I on track or no? Yes and no. So, yes, take responsibility, take accountability. But then a lot of men, what we do is we take responsibility and accountability, and then we don't take action to fix it. Or we expect it to be even now. Well, guess what? It's not. It's not even, bro. Like, you've got to work your ass off to get back to the even playing field. You know what I'm saying? And, yes, that person has to do their best to try and not hold it against you because it's really hard because you're already working uphill. It's hard to run uphill when someone's throwing stones at you from the top. You know what I'm saying? So so there's a lot of people out there that deal with uh, irrational illogical i mean and it's so frustrating because you cannot rationalize with an irrational person Mm -hmm. you can argue until you're blue in the face but you will get nowhere so what advice would you give to those people because there's thousands and millions of them going through that and you've gone through that i've gone through that what advice would you give them um personally i would say that you should be more worried about convincing yourself than somebody else because if you convince yourself that you are a great guy, that will naturally begin to happen and come out and you will become a great guy. If you convince yourself, man, I am a faithful dude, you will start becoming a faithful dude and then that irrational person will become more irrational and that's where you just have to kind of let it go and be like, if that is what you're choosing to believe, I'm sorry. I know I messed up, but you keep choosing to call me that. And I'm choosing to believe I'm not that anymore. And I'm taking the steps to not be that anymore. Right. There's an action plan in place. I'm like, at that point, you've got to either realize like, hey, this person's just like going to keep trying to like bring me down, which they have the right to. I'm like, but then you get to choose. I'm not going to let that person bring me down anymore. It and you have to like, you got to be honest with yourself. Are you really doing the best that you can to grow and to show them that you are growing? And because if you're not, then you can't really sit there and be like, well, you're not believing in me. Well, you're not showing me anything to believe. You know what I'm saying? So so what I'm hearing is rather than, well, first and foremost, accept your wrongdoing, Mm -hmm. man up, 
and apologize, even though it's not going to necessarily be accepted, but apologize and say, I'm a changed person and I'm not going to tell you over and over I'm a changed person. I'm just going to show you. And this is where my motto that I live by, show me, don't tell me. Yep. And then you just start living exactly how you say. Yeah. If you if you did in fact change, yeah. Start living that way, and whatever irrational things are still coming your way, let them come yeah. and continue living the way that you have changed and now are. Exactly. And eventually, I think a key word here is patience. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's like um. What's that term? It's like trust is gained in drops, but is lost in buckets. Um, and a lot of us, once we break trust, we want it. We want to regain it right away. But it's like that's <laughs> no. not that's not gonna happen. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. And I ran into that. You know what I'm saying? But what I can say was I started growing, and I started doing better. I was not completely fixed, but I started doing better. Right, and. It looked like we were on, we were doing good at this point, like really, really good. Um, and then one day out of nowhere, um, she, well, we got into a, a little bit of a fight because um, I saw that she was searching her ex boyfriend on Facebook, and so naturally I was just like, um, "What the hell?" <laughs> and um, you know, her reasons were even now looking back at it, I think pretty dumb. It was just like. Well, I was just comparing myself to who he was with because it makes me feel good. And I was like, that makes no sense. That's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I'm like, the fact that you have to compare yourself to who he's with to feel good about yourself. I'm like, what is, what is that telling me? Like, yeah, how would exactly. you feel if I was just stalking my ex-girls and being like, oh, I wonder who she's with so I can feel good about myself, which just meant, bro, like I don't hold that against her because it just meant that she was still dealing with what I had done or maybe other things. I don't know, but I'll take responsibility. You know what I mean? Period. And so she ends up going to her family's house to hang out for a little bit, um, and she's there for hours and hours and hours and hours, and I remember texting her. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll see you for dinner. Um, well, it's like 9 o'clock. She's not answering my text or my calls. It's like 10 o'clock, still not. Finally gets home around 11, says, hey, my phone died, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. And she tells me she's leaving. And I was like, what the heck happened over there? You know what I'm saying? Family doesn't like me, never really liked me. Uh, and then she tells me that she told them about how I ended up cheating you know, a couple of years back. So obviously what's her family going to do? I can't believe you would stay with him, leave all of this stuff. And she told me this, right? So I'm not just assuming she actually said, they said I'm an idiot for even staying. And I was like, well, I mean, that sucks. And obviously I was heartbroken and I was crying and I was like, dude, like, I was like, I've grown so much and I'm only going to get better. And are you willing to sacrifice that, you know, and give that to another woman and, you know, she kept saying no, all this stuff, whatever. And she left. The next morning, her dad came and helped her pack all her stuff. I didn't really chat with him or anything or try and convince him because, I don't know, I just didn't think I needed to. It's not between me and him. It's between me and her. Right. And I just remember sitting there, bro, in her empty office and um, just literally thinking, like, what the hell's happening to my life? My little girl was taking to school. 
We we didn't get to talk to her. Let her know what was how happening. Old, how old is she at this point? I don't know. I think she was like seven, okay. six, six or seven. Um, we didn't. She didn't give me the chance to talk to my little girl and tell her what was happening. She didn't even. Literally, my little girl goes to school like if everything's normal. Never comes back home. Never. And yeah. I was just like, to me, that's what hurt the most because I'm like, she has no right. idea what's happening like if you don't want to do it for me or yourself do it for her and i just remember sitting in that room bawling my eyes out and then it was i had i wasn't even praying yet and i'm a very religious person i'm not even a religious person i just really have a close connection with god and with jesus and i love him and this is one of the reasons why i hadn't talked to him in a long time and in that moment i can't explain it but i felt the love of a father just come in and embrace me as i was broken and the bible says that he is drawn to the brokenhearted and i saw it so evident in that moment and from that moment on i still messed up a couple times i remember calling my pastor like I was like, bro, I thought I was good. I'm like, but this just brought up a whole bunch of stuff with me. And I started sleeping with some chick, you know what I mean? Really just using her. And I told my pastor, I was like, I don't want to be like that anymore, man. I really don't want to be like that. And then God just started taking me through a journey where I was like alone. Like people care about you when you get divorced and stuff happens for a couple of weeks. And then life gets in the way right? <laughs> and, and they get busy. And so I had to start doing some real healing on my own. And I remember asking, I was like, Holy Spirit, please show me the areas where I was wrong, the areas where I need help. You know what I mean? Because what good is it to blame someone? Like, you cannot control how they grow. You cannot control what they do. I can just control me. And I was like, the only thing I can do is, like, become better. And um, so, yeah, so I started to become better for myself, for my little girl, um, and then, yeah, so for a long time there, man, during the divorce and everything, I stopped dreaming. Um, I wasn't as driven. My head was very cloudy. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't remember certain memories, um, a bunch of stuff like that. And I just remember feeling so, uh, anxious and depressed and I had never really struggled with that before. I started losing myself, like my, like who I am, my charisma, like People just always wanting to be around. I started losing that, and I didn't like that at all. And so it just took me getting honest with myself and being at home sometimes and saying, this sucks, you know? This really does suck. Instead of being angry at her, I was just like, this sucks. The reality of it is that this sucks and this hurts, and I feel alone. I feel lonely. I feel abandoned. Like, those were all the things that I was feeling, and I had to really, really work through those things to come out of it. And real quickly, what, what are the main things that you started? What are the main things that you started doing to work through those things to get to a better place? I stopped ignoring what I was feeling. I started genuinely. That right there is key. Mm -hmm. Stop ignoring what you're feeling. Yeah. And like, Pain can be um, experienced in a lot of different ways. Usually the way that we like to experience it is in anger <laughs> because that's easier. Yeah. And it takes the, the responsibility off of us and we can put it on something else. And so first I was angry and then I was like, that's not doing anything for me. 
And it's a scientific fact that emotions can only be in the body for 30 seconds. We just choose not to let ourselves experience it fully for those 30 seconds, right? Have you ever started crying and you don't let yourself get to the point where you bawl hysterically because you don't want to feel that. And then you feel off for a long time because you didn't let yourself feel that. That's why, because you trapped that emotion in your body. So... I got to a point where when I was sad, I let myself feel sad and I was just, and it was easy because I was home alone. No one was around. You know what I mean? When I was angry, bro, I would let myself feel it. If I was angry at myself, I would let myself feel it. I would yell. I would get my punching bag and just, wah. I would punch with no gloves so that I could feel some pain too, you know? And I would just like let it all out when I was like wanting to cry. I would let myself cry. I would, I would let myself really, really feel those things. And that started healing me. And honestly, I would listen to a, I would, I would put away Netflix. I would put away the Xbox. I would put away the guys nights where you go out and just get plastered and try and hook up with chicks. I didn't do any of that after a while. All I did was I would be in my living room. I'd throw on my favorite pastors and I would feed life into myself feed life into myself and I would begin to believe like what was being preached. And then I would get into the Bible and I'd be like, Holy spirit, I don't know if I'm going to get anything out of this, but let me get out of it what I need to. And I would just do that and self-help podcasts surround myself around, you know, good people that talk good and don't just BS all the time. Like that's really what I did. Those are all great things. And it's what I was going to ask because um, as you well know, talking to a lot of people with yeah. a lot of situations and not everybody is religious. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody has a relationship with God. Uh, to those people, what advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. To those people? Um, I mean, I'll just, I can't just... tell people, Hey, you need to be religious. Hey, you need to do this, but correct. But we can give them advice on how to deal with, yeah. Some of the some of the just yeah, horrible shit they're going through. Yeah. So, this is what I would say and this will probably be a little unpopular, but I just have to be honest. I do not believe that you can be fully fulfilled in this life without Jesus. It's just my belief. That's why you see even the highest paid actors that have all the resources in the world end up committing suicide, but they they did not follow Jesus, right? That's what I believe. Now, there is I believe that we are all children of God, period, and we get to accept a relationship with him if we want to, but biblically, there are principles that if you follow will naturally get you to a better place. You see it all the time with multi, multi, multi millionaires and billionaires that aren't Christians, but if you see how they run their business, they ran off of biblical principles that they yeah. probably don't even know are biblical principles. <laughs> I know, that's yeah. funny. It's crazy, right? That's, and that's a whole other topic which yes. I'd like to talk about. But yeah. I, I think a, a good answer to the question would be watching influential people that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that have gone through things. Uh, I, and eventually yeah. I hope we're those people. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, watching influential people that have gone through things that, you know, yeah. that that you have to deal with uh, the topics that we're talking about right now, obviously, yeah. and and so and, and, and extract the positive things from there. Yep. But Frank made the the ultimate point until you accept. Your wrongdoing. Yep. 
and move forward with that and make those changes and be yeah. patient, yeah. then, you know, good things are not going no. to happen. And to give a very practical thing besides what I just said, which is what I genuinely believe, this will help you. Meditating, because meditation and prayer go hand in hand, but you have to do it right. <laughs> a lot of people sit there and they just sit there and they try and ignore what they're thinking or what they're feeling. It's not about ignoring those things. It's about feeling them and accepting them and being like, what? And then, and then challenging it. Why do I believe that I'm not good enough? Why do I believe that I will be rejected? Why do I feel abandoned? And when you start like embracing those tough questions and asking them, then you can start journaling. Another very practical thing. Start journaling be, and, and, and fight those thoughts, right? Because those thoughts aren't true. You are worthy to be loved. You are not going to be rejected. You're worthy to be accepted. And guess what? You are good enough. Where you And everyone says, like, I'm good enough where I am now. If you can't accept me now, da 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 whatever, whatever. Like, that's a terrible yes. mindset. You still need to grow. But you are capable to be loved now if you're constantly growing and challenging yourself, right? So combating those thoughts. So I started writing down, like, I can be loved because I am confident. I am smart. I am creative. I am, like, all of these things. And I start writing those down. And I start, and you have to make yourself feel the emotion that comes with those things so that your body will believe them because our subconscious only works in the right now. Our subconscious doesn't work in the future. So you can't say, oh, I will do this. And and setting attainable goals for yourself yeah. because when one achieves something, that does something for you mentally. Absolutely. So by setting attainable goals, yep. like I'm going to work out, even if it's for 15 minutes. Bro, that's how I started. I, so I used to love working out. I used to love training and fighting. And I would fight for three hours at a time sometimes in the gym. And I would work out almost every day. You know what I mean? And I stopped because of what I went through. And I'll never forget the first time I went back to the gym. I said, I'm going to go for five minutes. Literally, I said, I am going to go to the gym hey, for five That's an attainable minutes. goal. Exactly. And I went to the gym, and it was extremely difficult to stay in there for five minutes. I literally put the weights on, on the bench press, and then I did a set of 10, and then I put a little bit more weight, and then I did another set of 10, and I was like, I got to go. So I left. I was in there for maybe eight minutes, and then I said, I'm going to go back tomorrow. Five minutes again. Five minutes eventually turns to 30 minutes. <laughs> Five minutes eventually turn into an hour. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's literally attainable goals and achieving them. Yeah. And that mentally, mm -hmm. it, it does something and it makes you, all right, yeah. I can do this. And then you want to do more. You yep. want to do more. Yeah. And, you know, but again, I'm going to go back to it all starts yes. with accepting. Yes who you are, what uh -huh. you've done wrong, and moving forward in life with yep. that. And, and, that you can't, and you can't do it alone. No. I really, wanted to, I really want to hit on that. You can't do it alone. If you think you can, you're terribly mistaken, and I'll talk to you in three years when you're in the same place that you're at right now. I'm just being honest. Like, Scott, you know there's nobody that's self-made. Anyone who says they're self-made, that's BS. Everyone stands on the shoulders of someone to some degree. 100%. Somebody talked to you. 
Somebody listened. Somebody gave some encouragement. Somebody bought you lunch when you couldn't afford it. Somebody did something for you. And if you have the mindset of, oh, I'm doing this on my own, get out of here. Yeah. And if you keep trying to do it on your own, you're not going to, you're not going to heal. You're on a treadmill. Yes. You're going nowhere Nowhere. real fast. Nowhere. Nobody does anything on their own. And I think that we need to surround ourselves, whether you were widowed or whether you cheated and got divorced or didn't cheat, got cheated on and got divorced because that creates the same amount of pain and guilt. I'm like, you need to have someone who you can talk to and someone that you trust that'll say, hey, you are lacking in this area, bro. You know what I mean? Let's get you through this. And- I know we've kind of gone long, but by wrapping things up, I, I want to encourage any listeners, viewers to please email us, message us, leave comments, whatever, because our goal again is to build a community Yeah, and we're going to do a lot of really neat things, but we will. If you have, if you have whatever's going on with with your situation, mm-hmm. uh, you very well could be on this show talking about it, um, among other really cool ideas that we have that we're going to do. So, yeah. Um, if yeah, messages on Instagram. That's the number one platform that we're the most active on. We respond to all the messages. It's the easiest way to get in contact with us. So, I think yeah, just go to our Instagram at the Single Dads Podcast. And you can get a hold of us there easily. And I hope uh, today meant something to somebody. Uh, it, it was kind of difficult for me to uh, to go through. I'm glad I did. Um, I hope that uh, our audience of all 15 or 20 of you at this point, uh, uh, as that grows, will at least uh, be able to watch this or listen to this and have a better idea of who we are and where we're coming from. And uh, I think that's important uh, for this podcast and the purpose of it. So thank you very much for tuning in and listening and or watching, and we will see you next time.